Our Father, this morning, we've been trying to focus all our attention on the Lord Jesus. On the one hand, to fear and tremble at the reality that we are sinners who need to be rescued. And on the other hand, Lord, rejoicing in the fact that in Jesus and by faith in him, we have been rescued and we will be rescued from your holy wrath. And so we pray that this morning, as we listen to your word, that God the Holy Spirit will cause our heads to be informed, but also our hearts to be inflamed, that our wills will be quickened towards obedience of the King. In his name I pray. Amen. Now, if I ask all the Christians in this room, if I ask all the disciples of the Lord Jesus, if I ask all of you, how did you become saved? How did you come to the Lord? How did you know Jesus? Two things will be clear in every story. Every story will indicate that how God worked in every individual's life is different. The way the Lord brought you to himself is different. Your story is somehow different. The second one will also be true of all of us, at least if it is a true gospel story, a story that points to the good news of the Lord Jesus. This other thing will run through for all of us. It will show that whatever, however the Lord used to bring us to himself, it was always and it has to be in Jesus. That we heard the message of the Lord Jesus somehow, and we were drawn to him. At the heart of it, we will be reminded that Jesus took on the judgment that we deserved upon himself, and then gave us God's life, his life. He didn't just give us salvation. He gave us himself, and in him, we have salvation. This is true of every gospel story. However different the stories may be, the heart of it is the same. The wrath of God that we deserve because we turn our backs on him, because we refuse to come under the rule of God, that wrath is born by the Lord Jesus on the cross. And then he gave us, he gave us himself, he gave us his life, he gave us his blessing. In other words, it will be clear that all of us, if we have truly come to faith in God, if we have become God's children, one thing will be clear. We have come as a result of the name of Jesus. So if you take myself, for example, my background is a wanderer. When I was growing up, I was always wondering Wondering about in search of two things, food and friendship. That's what I always wondered from Bubiashi to North Kaneshi and all these other places. I was searching for that until on one of those errands, the Lord Jesus meets me at Demod. And I listened to this local evangelist. And as I sat at the Bible uh, discussion this morning, I was praying for him. I don't know him. 
if he's seated somewhere and I see him, I can't even remember him. I have a vague picture of him preaching Christ who was crucified for me, a sinner. And somehow it dawned on me today to give thanks to the Lord for him and to pray if the Lord hasn't called him to be with Jesus already, that the Lord will sustain him. On those, one of such errands, I met the Lord Jesus. He met me and then he rescued me from my toil in search of food and friendship. That is my story somehow in a nutshell. On the other hand, if you take my dear Gifty's story, she grew up in a prim and proper good girl, Achimota school girl. Lived all her life in Achimota school, a headmaster's daughter, did everything in the right way. Until there, in Achimota school, through the preaching of someone, she hears the gospel and puts her trust in Jesus. Different, but the same. We put our trust in Jesus and in Jesus alone to be rescued. So our stories may be different, as I have said, but there cannot be any salvation. There cannot be any transformation. There cannot be anybody being put right with God unless it is in Jesus and in Jesus alone. Now, this morning in the reading, there's so much going on in Acts 16, but I'll focus on just a portion of it. We're going to be introduced to three people whose stories are so different, and yet at the name of Jesus, their lives change. Name of Jesus. The first one, Lydia, the wealthy businesswoman. The second one is the abused, demon-possessed young girl. And then the third one is the prison officer. The jailer. So first, let's talk about Lydia, the wealthy business woman. Now, the description that is given of Lydia, Lydia from Theatira. So you can call her Lydia Theatira because the name Lydia is actually the name of a district. And she was somehow named after that district. So let's call her by that. And when you listen to her description, perhaps many evangelists and many missionaries will look at her, listen to her, and think that, well, she doesn't have as much of a problem. Maybe she doesn't need the gospel as much. She needs it, but not as much as others may. Now listen, verse 13. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Theatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. So, most likely, Lydia was a, a Gentile, but someone who believed in the God of Israel. If she was a Jew, they would probably Luke would have said it. She was a Jew, a Jewish woman. But it says that someone who feared God, someone who believed in God, who worshipped God. And this is referring to the God of Israel. So the, the term they have used for that is she was a proselyte. She had, she had be, believed in Judaism and had become a worshipper of God. So she was religious, very religious person because we know that when Paul and Silas got to the riverside, 
where they suppose a group of people will gather to pray, we know that she was there. So she will join in this Jewish prayer, whatever time it was. So she was very religious, and she was wealthy. Now, clearly she was wealthy. She was a businesswoman. We are told that she dealt in purple goods, specifically purple clothing. And if you know anything about purple in those days, that is expensive. Expensive clothing. And that was her business. So perhaps you will find the celebrities and the politicians and the big businessmen coming to, and women coming to Lydia for their material for their clothing. She was a businesswoman, a decent woman, a religious woman, respectable woman. In verse 15, we are told that she had a household. And you see that in verse 40 as well. Perhaps it includes like household of those days. She had her own workers. She had her own slaves, maybe. But people were in the house. They were working. They were doing all kinds of things. And being a religious person who believed in the God of Israel meant that he was studying, perhaps definitely, the law of Moses. So they would gather, they would listen to it, and maybe she heard it in this way. She heard that if you were able to keep the law of Moses, you will be saved. Now stay with Lydia for a moment. And let's hear more of her religious life. She may imagine how this dear lady, Lydia, would have thought to herself, if I did my best, at least that is what I hear, if I did my best and kept the law of Moses, I will attain it. Yes, she was never attaining it. And I will show you why I think she was never attaining it, if that is what she was hearing. Because perhaps if you do that, if your focus is, if I'm able to obey the law of Moses, what, every, everything that it says, then I will attain it. The question is, at what point have I done enough? At what, what point can I say I have now reached? At what point would God accept me because now I have hit the mark? Now, how do we know this? How am I reading this? Look at verse 14b. We are told that the Lord opened Lydia's heart. And then she responded to Paul's message. The idea that Lydia responded is, is literally, she was attracted. She was attracted by the message that Paul and Silas were preaching. She was drawn near to this message. The message that she had. There was something beautiful about what these guys were preaching, were discussing with the ladies who had met by the riverside to pray. She got attracted to it. The Lord opened her. If she was okay, why would the Lord, if, why would she be attracted? Why would she find this more attractive? It's not entirely clear. But what is clear is this. Lydia needed something, and the Lord opened her heart, and she responded the way she should respond. And how did she respond? She was baptized, we're told. A new entry into the family of God, the people of God, publicly declaring her faith that she didn't have. 
in the past. The Lord opened her heart. Now Lydia has seen the beauty of Jesus and the gospel. What the Lord has done on the cross and by his resurrection for her. Uh, what did she hear that was so attractive? Maybe, let me state it in my own words, the gospel. Jesus lived a perfect life and he obeyed all of God's law all the time perfectly. And therefore, all of God's blessing, every blessing promised in the law of God. Because of Jesus' obedience, Jesus has it. He is the only human being who through his obedience attained everything there is to be attained from God. God himself. And that is the Lord Jesus. And yet, he chose to take upon himself God's curse. The curse that is on all of us, on all humanity, because of our disobedience to God. We cannot obey him because there is sin in our heart. There is something in our heart that doesn't want God's rule over us. There is sin in our hearts. We are under a curse, God's curse, holy curse. This is not like the curse of the gods of my mother's village. This is holy, righteous separation of us from God. We deserve eternal death. That is a human fate in and of ourselves. Only Jesus attained God's righteousness. But by faith in him, our cares is placed on him at the cross. Because the Old Testament tells us that curse is anyone who is hanged on the tree. By faith in Jesus, Jesus' blessing, as a result of his perfect obedience, become ours in him. We receive the new life, Jesus' life. We become God's children, loved by him, brought into God's household. Now we live in that freedom, in that freedom from the curse, the curse of the law, the right curse of the law. The law we could not obey. Now we are free to walk in God's love because we are in Christ. The blessings for his obedience in him is now ours by faith in him. Lydia hears perhaps a message along these lines and she was attracted. Now I can rest from my toil of trying to achieve it myself. Now, keeping my eye on the time, so let me make this point about Lydia and apply it to us. My brothers and sisters, understand this. The respectable-looking people in our city also need Jesus. The religious people in our city also need the Lord Jesus. Mere religion will not save anyone. Only Jesus does. The challenge in Accra, as I have observed, is that we are deeply a religious people. Everybody talks Christianly. And sometimes it is hard. And the temptation for us is we classify people as knowing Jesus, following him because of the way they talk and because of how they look. It's as if we don't need a gospel at all in this city. But you and I know that we are desperate for the gospel. And the reason we are even more desperate is because of our religiosity. 
Because religion has this temptation of causing you to focus in on yourself rather than on what God has done for you in Jesus. Point them also to Jesus. Don't give the impression that because of their religion, because of their success, because of their decency, they are fine. They are not. They also need Jesus if they are truly to live the way God wants them to. Not only in this life, but also in the one to come. So have a conversation about them concerning Jesus, concerning the gospel. Don't just talk about mere religion. Don't settle for that. Number two is the, the abused, demon-possessed young girl. My heart really goes out to her. Verse 16. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. We are told that she had a spirit of div um, divination. Now, it's interesting how they translated it because literally it is she had the spirit of a python. The spirit of a snake. Once I, <laughs> when Gifty was teaching somewhere in, a, in a, 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 a girl's high school. So we lived in the school. She was a housemistress and therefore um, students can come in. And sometimes they will come in at 2 a.m. 2 a.m., you hear a knock on the door. Maybe that's when I'm trying to put my head on my wife's shoulder. I uh, hear a knock. You go and see them. One day she was out, and a girl walks into the room, and I was there alone. And I tried, it's one of the girls we knew, so I tried to share the gospel. And then strangely, I've never experienced this thing, at least at that time. I had never experienced this before. As I started talking to her about Jesus, her voice changed. And then she started saying to me, you are trying to change her, right? And sort of warning me to back off. And then she came back to herself. And she was the same normal girl that we knew. I don't know. I'm not going to name any spirit. But clearly, if you are doubting whether these things are real today, brothers and sisters, know this. The Lord Jesus says that they are real. They are demon-oppressed, suppressed people in our midst. And she was able to tell the future. She was able to tell the future by the demons to people. And then she'll make money for her owners. Now, this is a bit of a sidetrack. Let's understand that. The fact that people bear titles that have connection to Christianity or even profess the name of Jesus and then tell people all kinds of things like what we call aquanchere. And for those of you who do not understand tree, it means direction. We go to them for direction. One day somebody entered this church and then I had him ask someone, I think the person who had brought him, whether this pastor in this church, he said it in Ga, your pastor inani, which means, has your pastor got the eyes to see spiritual things? And maybe if I had had this discussion that we had this morning, I would say, yes, I have the eyes to see that you are a sinner. Repent. <laughs> but he was looking for this. And brothers and sisters, let's not be fooled. The fact that people are able to tell us 
things and give us all, does not necessarily mean they are of the Lord or operating by the Spirit of the Lord. We see in this girl the spirit of a python doing all kinds of things. Verse 16 again. She earned money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting. So she followed Paul, Silas, and Luke shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Very annoying. Well, she's saying something that is true, but for whatever reason, it wasn't right. And we'll see the reaction in a minute. She is under spiritual bondage. And mind you, the demon, Satan, has good theology. He knows the Bible. He knows what is true. The only problem is he can't submit to it. And he won't submit to it. And so this girl will confess this and follow Paul and Silas and Luke and the band of these people and be shouting, Oh, these are men of God. They have come to show you the, the way of salvation. These are men of God. They have come to show you the way. Can't you just keep quiet and let me communicate what I want to communicate? She was shouting this. Verse 18, finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. What is going on here? Now, for a lot of you as Africans, you understand name. We name our children with meaning, isn't it? We take on names with meaning. So, the name that don't ask me what is the meaning of the name Boatin, I have no idea. But, generally speaking, we give names because we attach meanings to it. So, in the name of Jesus Christ, it's not a nomenclature. It's not a formula. It is actually referring to the very whole character of the Lord Jesus. What he has done. Who he stands, what he stands for. What he has accomplished. His whole power to rescue and to deliver and to save. That is what we mean when we say in the name of someone. The name. So at the name of the Lord Jesus, this girl is delivered from her bondage. The spirit left her at the name of Jesus. Bondage spiritual. And then bondage physical in a sense. She is no longer manipulated by her owners. Now she's in her right mind. At the name of Jesus. Now you, can, you could explain her liberation in this way. In terms of what Peter and John says in Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 4 they said this. After they healed this uh, man of his inability to walk. Then know this. You and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Whom you crucified. But whom God raised from the dead. That this man stands before you delivered. It is by the name of Jesus. Jesus cares enough for such a girl as well. For her too. To deliver her. On account of Jesus' name. For such people too, the Lord Jesus died and was raised. Let's dare not rule them out. One day I was driving through a part of East Legon. Where you know that the, um, the commercial sex workers, the prostitutes, line up 
right? And there were two conflicts in my heart. On the one hand was compassion, because I felt these young girls, my daughter. <laughs> On the other hand, was, is there a way such a person or persons could actually come to faith in Jesus? You know, sometimes we say to ourselves, as for this one, it would take the grace of God for them to be saved, though. Somehow in our mind, there are those who are far from the Lord Jesus' reach. We don't say it. We think it. We feel it. We act it. Well, this one too, at the name of Jesus, comes to the Lord Jesus like Lydia, the decent woman. They all need Jesus. They all need to hear about the Lord Jesus. Every salvation is by the power of the Almighty God through King Jesus by the power of the Spirit. Every salvation, every rescuing, every coming to Jesus by those who are decent and by those who are outcasts is the same level ground. Now the third person, let's look at his story, the prison officer. Now you should understand this. The prison officer, the jailer, he keeps people in prison. If you are convicted and you are brought, his is to keep you in prison. And depending on what he's told, he will keep you in the inner prison like he did to Paul and Silas. He hears what the court says and then he does his job. He didn't know Jesus. Now, how do we know he didn't know Jesus? We will see it later. So he had put Paul and Silas in prison. What he had forgotten was that he is the prisoner, um, um, the one who is imprisoned. He is more imprisoned than Paul and Silas were. Whilst in prison, they will sing to the Lord because they are really not in prison. And if they are in prison, they are in prison for the sake of the gospel. But guess the prisoner. The prisoner is a nice jailer who himself does not know the way of salvation. And may be searching for it, hopeless, though looking very good on the outside. So the slave girl has been delivered. The prisoner, the jailer would also be delivered by the same name, the name Jesus. Let me read for you a bit of the story. Verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundation of the prison was shaking. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chain came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw that the prison um, doors, when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because you'll be killed. If the prisoners run, you'll be killed. Why not kill yourself? Do it yourself. You might be a bit more merciful on yourself. He was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for light, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. Just picture it. He trembled and fell before Paul and Silas, the prisoners. Who is a prisoner? Sin in prisons. Self in prisons. 
Living our lives to please others is imprisonment. Painful imprisonment. The jailer was in prison. He realizes that he needs rescue. And so he asked the question, verse 13. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be set free? What must I do to be rescued? What must I do to be saved? He needs this rescue. He needs this rescue. Like Lydia, like the demon-possessed girl, the jailer needs rescue from his sin. He needs rescue from his enslavement. His imprisonment to sin and death. So what is he told? What is he told about how he can be free? Verse 31 to 33. They replied, what must I do to be saved? This is what you ought to do. <laughs> Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately, he and all his household were baptized. Something has changed. Baptism. It's a proof of that. Jesus. So very different people, very different backgrounds, perhaps even ethnically. Some people have argued that Lydia would have probably been Asian. We don't know for a fact. But whatever it is, different people, yet all of them need Jesus. All of them need the gospel. They are all saved only and only at the name of Jesus. Jesus and all that Jesus stands for. Everyone in our city, if we go out of this meeting, out of this gathering, thinking everyone in our city needs the gospel, believers and non-believers, let me not go there. Everyone in our city needs the gospel. We are often torn between two lies. I think in our city, certainly. I don't know about the others. Lie number one is this. The religious, the decent-looking, successful people do not need Jesus or they do not need Jesus as much, as I said. Lie number two. The very, very, very bad people, obviously spiritually oppressed people, or we think they are, are so far from the rescue of Jesus. As for them, it would take serious prayer. What makes you think that it wouldn't take serious prayer in the power of God for the decent-looking people? Both are not true. Decent people are as sinful and are in need of Jesus the same extent as the outcasts. The young, enslaved, demon-possessed girl. So what should be our takeaway? What should we carry with us this morning? I've mentioned some already, but let me reiterate them. Pardon me for the repetition. Please understand this. When you follow all the stories, understand one thing about God. God has to act by his power for people to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. God has to act in the lives of people, irrespective of who they are or how they appear. He opens Lydia's heart for Lydia to actually respond to the word. How must people be saved? They must believe the gospel and turn and be saved, right? Everybody must believe. 
If you want to be saved, you have to put your faith in Jesus. You have to obey the gospel. You have to turn from trusting in yourself or in something else and turn to trusting in Jesus. That you have to do. But here is the thing. None of those things happen until God has moved a person's heart. Salvation is entirely of the Lord, and we receive it by faith. The biggest arm that I said last week, we stretch to receive this gift. We don't achieve it. We receive it. It's a gift. God has to act. So when I look on my life story, my Christian journey, I took a step at Demod. I went, I prayed, Lord Jesus, forgive me, come into my heart. Do you know what was going on behind the curtain? God in his mercy had moved my heart already by his power. He had raised me from spiritual deadness to spiritual life. That is how I can see that I need him in the first place. God has to act in every situation, not you. God has to act. The spirit has to work. It is God who draws to himself. I pray that the Lord will give us this perspective as we journey into this week. I pray that the Lord will cause us to realize that it is, it is He, it is the Lord who has to move all the people. And the people need Jesus. And we need Jesus every day. We go with this humility. So that when we go on campus or we go to our offices, we get into the car and we meet people. And they say they are, they are this church and that church. And they talk Christianly. Uh, be patient enough to have conversation about Jesus. It will be revealed very quickly where people stand. It has to take God. Now ask God that however persuasive or the opposite I may be, would you please take the gospel and because you alone can do it, drive it into the people's hearts irrespective of who they may be or where they come from. Let me pray. Our Father, we ask and beg you that shift our mindset about yourself, about our need, people's need, and save us from the temptation where we judge people by how far they are from you or how close they are to you because of the way they talk and because of how decent they look. Pray that you save us so that we keep our attention on Jesus and present Jesus to people and trust in your power to draw all of them to yourself for your glory and for your glory alone. In Jesus' name, amen.